Hi, friends. You are listening to the EntreEd Talk podcast, where we feature amazing educators and entrepreneurs showcasing how you can bring entrepreneurship into the classroom. We believe entrepreneurship is for everyone. I am your host, Toy Hirschman, and I am so glad you chose to join me on this journey. Let's go. Hi, friends. Welcome back to the EntreEd Talk podcast. I am finishing my conversation today with Maceo Jordan. You probably listened to him uh, two episodes ago, and so you will get to hear the exciting conclusion of that podcast today. If you would like to, if you haven't heard it, please go back and listen to the first episode to get a little more context. We are excited to have him on the show, and we'll continue the conversation now. I don't need to sell you a $5,000 course on you know the psychological tricks you can use to you know boost your sales 57%. You just need to be able to clearly define, hey, are you here? Like, is this how you, you know, what you could just show me when you, when you're, when you snatch, is this the way you look and you have me, you know, that I'd be the poster child all cricked over and, you know, all these different shortcuts in my position to actually get the weight over my head. And is this where you want to be? And you show, you know, some Olympic weightlifter that's just effortlessly like throwing 500 pounds over their head. I'm going to say, Absolutely. That's what I want. And Great. I, deal for you. <laughs> then then register for my free blah, blah, blah. And then your free blah, blah, blah. That's where you start teaching them. Right. So and we could go we could go into that in, in even more detail. But look at this toy. This stuff is it's it's not complicated. When I when I got on the inside of especially the Internet marketing side of e-learning, yeah, what I realized is the the limitation of the capitalist system in education is that it will as a byproduct of the the capitalist search for profit restrict how much information you get right so they'll literally they'll literally stage it out where they'll say okay if you're in high school you literally can't access calculus books but why not because you're not ready for that could you imagine somebody saying that i could just go to the library get the calculus book if i'm in 10th grade which i did and I didn't like it because I, I was missing some key pieces of information. Um, I didn't understand it. But capitalism will say, no, we're going to restrict that from you. Well, why? Well, it's not really because you're not ready for it. It's because we want you to pay for that later on. And I saw that was, that was the, the big, um, I would say the, the big mistake, if you will, of e-learning. Um, but it's also a, a, a bit of a byproduct of, you know, you've got to keep the business going. Right, so the re the the reason why I eventually exited from the e learning industry because I really couldn't figure out how to have the e learning company and then have it sustain itself. I did have technology that was bolted onto it uh, to eventually do that. I was way too early, which I'm now coming full circle. So I'm gonna say, if you had all these offers, why didn't it work? We were way too early, uh, which means. We had a huge burn rate. What does that mean? It means we had all this technical staff we're paying gobs of money to and no paying customers. As simple as that. Uh, so without without venture capital money, which of course I, I didn't understand why I needed it or even how to sell to them, uh, we just we couldn't do it. I was funding it completely out of my left hip pocket. So like a big chunk of my fortune went into that company just to keep it going, which had I spread that out over some venture capital partners, obviously my risk would have been less which now ties into why don't you want to bootstrap this is because if you are, you are saying I'm betting everything on this thing working 
and making the mistake of thinking, well, because I'm doing it, it has higher odds for success. So I'm, now I'm tying in all these open loops that, that we that, that I opened up as we went along. I love this. We're like you've hit on so many concepts that number one, we try to introduce to to students, but like just the Tam Sam Som thing principle, you know, we try, but it's but we that's one of the areas that we've been looking at recently that's very difficult for them to to grab onto. And that and very, I love to talk about the, this backward model of looking at where where do you legitimately want to be and what does that mean look going in reverse. So great, a great movie to show somebody is the interns. And so it's a two, two older guys, they're salesmen and they're watch salesmen, right? So the, the, the opening act one is them like literally having people looking at their phones instead of their watch, right? And so their, their company is going out of business. So they decide to go get an internship at Google. Well, you could show the entire movie, of course, but the, the, the place to focus on is once they've been there for a while, they're on their team. And part of what they have to do is make money. Well, I guess it shouldn't be. They have to, they have to demonstrate that they could make money. So how do they do that? Well, they come up with an app, but the important part is how they came up with the app. Now, maybe it's not a good one because they, it was actually because of a hangover. So the app was uh, how to not do drunk texting, which that would not, I would not want that going into like, young people because that's a bad that's just bad <laughs> what it illustrates though is why it's so hard right so it's it's hard because you've you've got to hit on something that really serves a market and too often when we're coming in especially if it's something that we know we're so invested and so passionate we just have our blinders on and we're not willing to face the reality that it's not commercially viable or or it's commercially viable up to a point. So let's go back to our yogi example. One of the things, and this is a, I was gonna say advanced, that's the only word I can think of. But one thing that comes out when you work with this model for a while is that some businesses have a built-in endpoint. And it could be because of technology. It could be because you're gonna chew through an available market, uh, meaning there's literally a, a limit to how much you, you can teach or how much value you really can deliver. It's like, do I really need to look at your downward dog for the 50th time? Really? Like, do you really need coaching for that? And so you've, you've gotta realize as that yogi, if you bring somebody in, what is their lifetime really? Like if you were truly going to think about that person, I'll, I'll use a, a term or a phrase that Jesus used, and you're going to think of them as yourself. Would you want them to be paying you seven years from now so you could look at their downward dog for the 50th time and say, yep, still beautiful. Now give me my 100 bucks a month. Right, yeah, good. it. So the, the natural endpoint in coaching has got to be built in, in my opinion, which I build in. Not everybody thinks that way, and I'm not trying to force that on anybody, but I'm saying that if you're not willing to look at it though objectively and say, yeah, you know what? I bet somebody after the 12th time I say that their position is beautiful, they're probably gonna start thinking, why am I paying for this? And if they do, then what's next? Can you legitimately offer them something? Well, yeah, maybe they wanna go with you to Peru. 
maybe you could take some of your money and build something in Peru. Well, now we're getting into growth. So gr this is what growth means isn't that you just bolt stuff on and you try and get money out of them, which is internet marketing and internet e-learning as, as uh, contrasted with like Cornell or MIT or you know somebody like that who's taking their coursework and putting it online. I think that the highest form uh, of this teaching would be to recognize your student's arc and then recognize what they really need. Like, what would you want if somebody were taking you through that arc? Would you want them, you know, to say downward dog is beautiful for the 50th time? Or would you want the, the instructor to come to you ahead of time, like in martial arts and say, I think you're ready to go to the next belt and say, because you've demonstrated this ability, Here's what we have to offer, this other belt with these other techniques. Okay, in the commercial world, it would be now that you've done this, Mr. Weightlifter, or let's let's apply it directly to like CrossFit. So CrossFit would be the and the reason why is because there's a competitive advantage, or sorry, people want that competitive advantage. It would be okay, we need to get you to the point where you can get into the bottom position of the squat. And great, once you get there, that's fine. And if you if that's all you want, then here's the program. This is, you know, the the ultimate, the the beautiful bottom squat position course. <laughs> well, I may then say, okay, but what about my box jumps? Well, what do you mean? Well, you know, after I get done doing these the next day, if I try and do box jumps because my hips, you know, they feel tight. Oh, okay. Well, then it's not. It's, an, it's a different thing, right? So now what I'm telling you is I'm not using the, the, the snatch in isolation. I'm using it as part of this system called CrossFit that leads you as the business owner stroke educator into a larger system, which now you can offer them value inside of that system. Which of course leads to the bigger issue, the, the way to unlock value for people is understand what system are they in. I was on a call, I was on an interview, uh, the gentleman had been in, in the corporate world for a long time and now he was getting out into coaching people. And he, what he was missing was somebody's career arc. I said, somebody who's you know, just starting a corporate career has much different desires, needs, skills and abilities than somebody who's been in a corporate world for 18 years. And I said, if you want to unlock customer lifetime value, you need to think about how do I market to the people that are just starting and understand their system so well that you are the de facto choice for the entire career arc. That's when you when you can grow like that and, and use your money to implement systems. That's when you get a business that can survive that long. So if, if I were going to give you know, Gary Vaynerchuk, any sort of critique, it would be, you know, great. It's great that he's talking to these young people, but he's not offering them anything to them other than rah, rah. It's like, that's a big deal. I can get that anywhere. You know, I can go to any motivational channel on YouTube and get that. What they need is somebody with his resources. that's actually going to implement a system so that when they enter into it, and a system could be YouTube videos, Instagram, Snapchat, you know, so utilize all of this social media to continue to feed these students with information so that when they have these life choices, you are the de facto, the de facto choice. Sorry, I was using too many shortcuts there. So now we're getting into why to use social media. What was packed into that is 
how am I on social media? What do I say? Well, I just, if you unpack what I compressed into that short bit, it's literally everything that you need to say to them. But it's not so well defined that anybody can just take what I said and use it. It's like, you've got to do the work and figure it out. Like you have to understand your market and you have to understand their, their growth and what, what major events happen. Because it's the major events, going back to physics, um, part of what we forget about human beings is that we're energetic creatures. Our brain is literally energy because we can hook up an EKG and measure it. So when we get to crises in our life, by definition, we have more energy involved in there. And so when you talk about, well, how do, how do I harness the scale? Like, how do I get something done to me? Well, if you get a bunch of people that have highly energized brains, they have more available energy to pour into your system. So now you're just harnessing what's already out there. The reason why entrepreneurship and business is so tough is because you are trying to do the work to create the energy in somebody's mind to get them excited and, oh yeah, I want this, rather than understanding your market so well that you recognize that they already have that energy and then you come in with a message that fits with their endpoint so well that they just immediately plug in and say, yep, I'm going to put my energy there. Like, don't we say that? Well, what are you going to put your energy into? Well, that's a, that's a waste of energy. That's a waste of time, right? We, we use this language, but we throw it away as if it's describing nothing where it's actually describing what's going on quite, literally. Wow. That's so cool. Wow. I've just been writing furiously because this is <laughs> such good information. Um, so tell, tell us what is, um, what, so what is, what is next for you? Like, what are you, what are you working on right now? You, we, uh, we got, you got rid of the e-learning business. So what's next? Yeah, so I I am actually working on uh, two projects. One is a, a revolutionization of healthcare, um, and I'm I'm using that term deliberately, like it is a, a revolution. And so what we're doing is acquiring home health companies uh, and building a nationwide healthcare network. Then I've got another project I'm working on, which is going to cancel Hollywood. And so we're we're building a system which will enable creators to just make what they want. Ooh, that's interesting. <laughs> um, so for the healthcare, I read a little bit about this, but I'm curious. So what is the value proposition for the, for the healthcare industry that you're talking about? Yeah, so let's, let's take it from the, the patient perspective. Um, most baby boomers, and we've, we've talked about the baby boomers so much over the last 20 years, we've kind of forgotten about them. Uh, but they're all going to be over 70 after 2030. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means eh, they've got three or four chronic conditions now, and they're probably going to have seven or eight by that time. Well, so what? Well, our healthcare system is not designed to care for chronically ill people. It's designed for broken bones, strokes, and heart attacks. It was designed that way from the beginning. And as the programmers like to say, garbage in, garbage out. So if, if you're trying to treat chronically ill patients in a system designed to treat acute stuff, it's not going to work. And I, I really do mean this all the way from how doctors are educated, how they're taught to approach patient care, 
to the devices that are made, the, the triage, the warehousing, it's all designed for an acute situation where you can treat some system, some symptoms. And with the treating of those systems, symptoms, the patient will improve. Well, chronic by definition means if you treat the symptoms, you're just suppressing or modifying, you know, you're not getting to the root of it. Where if I have a broken arm and inflammation is out of control and I'm, you know, bleeding and whatnot, I need somebody to come in. I need a mechanic. I need that mechanic to fix what's going on so that I can recover. You place on top of that, depending on who you ask, it's 90% down to maybe 78% of boomers want to age and be treated at home. Now, the beauty of all this is the home healthcare network already exists. We don't need to create it. What we need to do is to consolidate it. My personal belief, which this is expressed in me actually going out and doing it, is that the the incumbents, the people that are in charge of healthcare, are not the ones to modify it to work. Almost by definition, right? They've they've been in, they're going to try and just replace or supplant or sorry, they're going to try and put their system on top of this home healthcare network. I'm saying that's probably not going to work. You know, I'm I'm willing to to make a huge bet and say what's probably got to be done is something that hasn't been done before, and we need to approach this solution in a way that. Most people are probably not prepared to actually try. Uh, so I think one of the beauties of America is I can just step up and say, I'm going to go do it. And even better, I can't. Like there's nothing blocking me from, you know, free speech, of course, I can say that. But fortunately in our system, I can actually now go out and do it. I can raise money. I can talk to the entrepreneurs. There's nothing blocking me, you know, by default from going out and doing that. But I think ultimately, it, you know, it stems from my experience in home healthcare. My mom just passed away in September. Uh, we had her, you know, thank you. We had her uh, on our property. I uprooted my family. We moved someplace where we could care for her. So I was bringing people into the home. But what killed her was just medical mistakes. People don't realize the third leading cause of death in the United States are medical mistakes. Uh, the, I mean, that data has been around for a long, long time. Again, there are a lot of reasons, lots of reasons for that. I'm not I'm not using that as a, a, a finger pointing. I'm simply pointing it out. Like that is the reality. So put that on top of 61 million people are going to need chronic health care after 2030. If we thought the hospitals were going to be overwhelmed with COVID issues, which were numbered in the hundreds of thousands, what's going to happen? We've got some fraction of 61 million. It's a big problem. This is not a small thing. And approaching it in you know small ways isn't going to work. Small tweaks are not going to fix this, and so that's why I'm saying like we need a big shift in in the healthcare system. So keeping people at home in their own environment, you know, from modifications like we put in grab bars and you know a, a low step in shower and ramps to hey we need to bring in oxygen, we need to bring in monitoring, you know, it's end of life kind of issues. We can do all of that at home. And the beauty of it is over the next 10 years, the way technology is going um, is it's going to augment these healthcare workers that are in the home. And so the last piece of it I would say is the, the technology the technology folks in Silicon Valley, so Google, Apple, uh, Amazon, they're approaching it like technology people would rather stupidly. They're thinking that they're gonna slap some technology over this and, and solve it. This is nurses, this is doctors, yeah, this is human beings caring for other people. This isn't, 
you know, that great, I've got a watch on and now, you know, my life is better. It's like, okay, great, I've got a watch on, but I also need someone to teach me how to eat and I need someone to help me manage my medication. And I just might need someone to talk to, you know, because I'm shut in at home and I'm lonely. You know, all of that is not just solved by blanketing technology, it's solved by people. Yeah, that's beautiful. Talk a lot about like how AI is going to get rid of all these things, and I don't think it will. <laughs> it could have been I think it's going to be really, I think it's going to be really amazing how how we're able to work together with the technology. But I don't think that there's there's a human experience that I don't think is going to be able to be replaced. At least I'm hopeful. <laughs> well, so here's the the limitation of of AI. So AI. I even hate to use that word, but a fast computer that can that can sift through the data that's actually there and make a decision. That's a really longhand way of saying what quote unquote AI actually is. It's not intelligence. I think these guys are actually dreaming, um, you know, calling it intelligence. It's really, really fast decisions. But I would say what what makes it work well is that they don't have the human component when you're just looking at data, give you an example. I was playing basketball. Uh, I was super strong at that point, and so I I could I could jump high enough that my uh, forearm was was over the rim. So the rim was about right here. I had a huge vertical. Well, I had done that really fast, so I had scaled my strength, but I hadn't grown my strength. So I jumped, came down, and I split my medial meniscus. Well, when you do that, when you look at the, the torsional forces that are on the leg, you're going to get rotation, right? And that's what, so I got a, a rotational tear in my ACL, split my meniscus, and then uh, really torqued on the, the medial ligaments that run on the inside of the knee. Because when I came down, the forces were twisting. Well, I did that because my, my meniscus hadn't been, been made tougher by lots of jumping. Went and got an MRI they missed that tear for like a year. Well, why did they miss it? Well, because they probably just didn't believe it was there. Who knows? It was a human error. But then finally, it, uh, I was going to the VA because I'm notoriously cheap. So, you know, I've got, I'm a war vet, so I've got VA insurance. So a guy comes in, his son got injured, was in Arizona. And so this top knee doctor moved into the VA. And he's like, oh, well, you know, you've got this tear in your meniscus. That's why it's hurt for the last year. And we need to get in and correct this because you're probably chewing up your, the, you know, the top of your leg. Well, so a, a computer now looking at that first MRI is less likely to make that mistake. That's a very long-winded answer to say why technology can work. So what we'll have in the future will be a, a device connected to somebody, uh, cameras mounted. Elon Musk is right, uh, getting cameras looking at the actual picture rather than like LIDAR or something. So you want to see somebody moving so that this is going to be able to monitor my gait side to side. The, the camera is going to be able to capture me walking and that will be able to notify Connexia, my company, I'll, I'll now project it in the future, that one of our clients is likely to fall that day. I will then dispatch a nurse. Hey, Mr. Jones, Mrs. Jones, you know, you know, it looks like you're having some trouble. Oh, did the alarm go off again? Yep, sure did. So, you know, let, what's going on? You know, are you feeling well? Did you eat last night? When was the last? Oh, you know, come to think of it, I, I haven't eaten probably since yesterday. So why was the gate wrong? And again, long-winded answer. What AI won't 
tell you is why that person was going to fall. You need that human being to ask the questions and have rapport and other soft skills so that the person opens up, oh yeah, you know what, I don't think I, well, hey, let's get you something to eat. And what they're probably gonna find is once their blood sugar is corrected, that they're no longer looking like they're going to fall over. And they were probably gonna fall over because their blood sugar had gotten so low that now you know they weren't even thinking about eating, they were despondent. And God forbid you have somebody in that state where you say, oh, well now they're depressed, so let's go medicate them, which I've seen you know over and over and over. So again, what we're talking about is the practical difference between a technologist saying, oh, let's, let's look at the data and fix the data. Right? So this is how doctors think. They think, oh, the data is you're gonna fall. Well, yeah, but a nurse is gonna tell you, hold on, Mrs. Jones has a habit of like only eating up to lunch. And so if you look at her after she's only eaten at lunch all the way to the next morning, she's probably gonna be a little unsteady. So let's get some food in her first, retest in four hours. Yeah. Now we don't need to inject her with more insulin or, you know, get her antidepressant or a walker or something else. You know, we're now we're limiting her mobility and causing further decline. You know, so it's again, it's it's figuring out how do we really solve these healthcare issues, not how do we, you know, band-aid over them. Right. That's that's really cool. I Godspeed to you and, and connects you because that sounds amazing the improvement in patient care and i have a similar meniscus type of story i could share but <laughs> but i am i am up on on time yeah, i just i heard the alarm go off <laughs> yeah sorry <laughs> but we like to try to keep it in like a like a drive time chunk but i absolutely would love to have you have you back this has been i i'm just like i i don't think i said anything i was just like what <laughs> <laughs> this is awesome and so many amazing applications to what yeah, we do in our schools. So I, I thank you so much for, for being here today. And I look forward to further, further chats with you as well. Anytime. Like, like we said b before the recording, I mean, I've got definitely more than a soft spot for educators. You know, I, as I said, I, I owe, I owe so much to them as I should. I mean, that that's what a good educator does, right? Yep. That's so, so many great things. So Maceo, how can our folks reach out to you if they want to know more about what you're doing? And I want to have another conversation because I want to know about canceling Hollywood. <laughs> oh yeah, that's that's going to be really fun. Uh, okay, so connexia.com, uh, that's where they can check out what we're doing in healthcare there. Uh, if they want to connect with me, I've got a, a deliberately awful website set up at maceojordan.com. Uh, but there's some forums on both of those sites. Uh, connexia goes through some layers of people. Uh, but Maceo Jordan, you know, comes to me directly. So if anybody wants to to talk about things, I'm I'm absolutely willing to. I love working with people. Uh, you know, somebody's listening to this and they, you know, want some help designing a, a business plan or they want some clarification on a point. I'd be happy to do it. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us, and I'm looking forward to getting to know you much better. It was great meeting you today. I talked to you very briefly on the phone, but this has really been wonderful. Yeah, great. I was very happy to be here. The honor is mine. Thanks, Toy. Have a have a great rest of your day. Yeah, you too. Thanks. <laughs> Bye.